0: Welcome back to Don't Punt a Geo, your UNC football show on the Tar Heel Blog podcast, hosted by TarHeelBlog.com and the SBNation.com podcast network. My name is Chad Floyd. I am joined again by Jacob Cowden to talk the ACC Coastal. We are home, baby. Jacob, how are you, sir? I'm good. We finally made it to the Coastal Division. It's been like a month and a half. Yeah, well, um, we have done... What, uh, seven of these, five of these have actually hit the airwaves at this point. Uh, the Big Ten one got lost somewhere in the ether. We have switched podcast hosts in the meantime. It's It's been quite a journey, my man. So happy to uh, round it out here with the ACC Coastal.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. This is one, a um, lot to talk about here as well. So uh, let's let's
0: get it rolling. Man, that, it's the host job to say let's get it rolling. Oh, but sorry. I appreciate that. Um, hey, man, I appreciate your gumption, Jacob. Let's get it rolling, Miami.
1: Miami, just you know, they're in headlines this week because they announced, or maybe it was last week, but Ohio State transfer Tate Martell, QB one star of that show, is not starting. It's going to be redshirt freshman Jaron Williams from Atlanta or the Greater Atlanta area. Uh, he was a top three hundred recruit. Uh, coming out of high school, four-star four quarterback. Um, I was as shocked as anybody because I thought it'd be Martell, but Nikosi Perry played a lot last year. Uh, Jaron Williams saw a little bit of time, but I would not really even heard of him. And from everything I'd read and heard it was between Tate Martell and Nakosi Perry to start, and then Jaron Williams uh, gets announced as a starter. I think it was actually about a week ago at this point. Uh, so that was shocked me. So I've been trying to catch up on, on as much high school film as I can of him. Uh, The rest of Miami I love, except they've lost a couple cornerbacks, a couple secondary guys to the transfer portal. I think they have probably the best linebacker core in the country in terms of all three of them. Uh, Pre or four-year starter, Shaquille Quarterman. Uh, I have a first-team All-American on my ballot that that nobody asked for and doesn't count for anything. Uh, So I'm excited to see Jaron Williams play against uh, Florida the first game of the season, which is this Saturday.
0: Yeah, uh, you told me that you had dug into a little bit of high school tape on Williams. Uh, what did you see? I thought I thought his athletic kid's a really
1: big arm uh, as well. Uh, his high school tape honestly wasn't as good as some other ones I could find, uh, but his athletic, he looked like uh, he keeps his eyes downfield though. For a high school quarterback, he was the best athlete on the field. He tried to get it in the hands of his playmakers which I think is going to be a huge uh, thing for him coming into college because Miami does have a lot of talent on, on offense, talent all over the field. Uh, so I think he doesn't try to do too much, which, which was really impressive. So uh, better than I thought it was going to be uh, as far as his high school film, uh, partly just because I never heard of him. So I came into the film with low expectations, and, and I liked what I saw for the most part, but I think that first game against Florida is going to be rough. After that, though, the schedule works out pretty nicely for Miami after that first game.
0: Yeah, uh, getting Louisville as the cross-division opponent is always nice. Uh, With Florida State down, uh, both of the teams out of the Atlantic Bay place should be wins. Uh, Obviously, they go to North Carolina in week two, um, off of a bye week as well. So, kind of uh, lines up Miami's way after that Florida game. And I do think Florida's going to just murder them. Um, So, I'm kind of hoping that there's some uh, shattered confidence this Saturday for the Canes. But you mentioned it they do have talent all over the field. Um, they're running backs, Cameron Harris and Lorenzo Lingard, uh, both true sophomores, both very explosive athletes, uh, Jeff Thomas and, uh, Brevin Jordan in the receiving corps. Brevin Jordan being a tight end. Uh, he's one of my favorite tight ends in the country. And then they bring in KJ Osborne as a grad transfer from Buffalo. So they are going to be big and explosive at the skill positions. The question mark becomes the offensive line. Um, Phil Steele has them starting a true sophomore, a redshirt freshman, and a true sophomore in three of the five spots there. And the only real returning starter for them is Navon Donaldson at left guard.
1: Which is not where you want your only returning starter is at left guard. So that's going to be the question. Especially that Florida game is going to show us a lot. Because Florida's defense is fast. They're athletic. You know, it's Florida's defense. So that offensive line and true or redshirt freshman quarterback really going to be tested week one. And, and I honestly think you mentioned a, a confidence shatter. If you have a huge game like that against an in-state rival that's being hyped up all year, then they get come in and get the brakes blown off of them. We saw what happened last year to Miami after that LSU game. I truly think losing a huge game like that week one sets a negative tone for the rest of the season. Uh, if you lose a close game, it's obviously you want to win, but getting blown out like that against a team you sh- should compete with, um, that's kind of the best shot North Carolina, I ha- excuse me, North Carolina has a beating in the week too. Um, and Manny Diaz, new head coach. I think the defense is going to be fine. Uh, talented on defense, even with those secondary transfer. he's one of the best defensive minds in the country. Uh, so there's a lot of new faces, Miami. Um, i like, they brought in, uh, the coach from Alabama. I think his name's Dan Enos off the yep. top of my head. Uh, to be the offensive coordinator. So I think that'll be a good fit. So they got a lot going for him, but offensive line redshirt, freshman quarterback uh, against Florida week one. Um no, it's not going to be great. I think by the end of the season, though, I think that they'll uh, be a little more cohesive in. Uh, schedule-wise, they get both for the Virginia schools at home. Those are probably the top three schools in the Coastal competing for that division. Uh, so I think that's the biggest break for them is they get Virginia and Virginia Tech at home.
0: Yeah, I think even in the awesome hypothetical where Florida breaks their spirits and then UNC capitalizes on that as well, I seriously think there's a team that could start zero and two and finish ten and two because they can get well against Bethune Cookman, Central Michigan, going into the bye. Then, like you said, they get Virginia Tech, Virginia, and Georgia Tech all at home, back to back to back weeks. Uh, go to Pitt, which I guess always for Miami is a little bit of a trap game at Florida State, which is. A heated rivalry and always kind of a crazy game. Uh, Louisville at home, which is a win. Uh, FIU at home, which is a win, and then they finish at Duke because nothing says rivalry week like Miami-Duke. Yeah, yeah.
1: They only have to leave the state of Florida three times this year, and then two of those times are to go to North the state of North Carolina. So,
0: yeah, uh, not too heavy on the uh, travel miles this year for the Canes. Um, One of the most interesting. Things they did for me was they kind of took over the transfer you mantra uh, with Tate Martell, who is no longer in the quarterback running, but then also with KJ Osborne. Then, kind of the big one for me is Trayvon Hill from Virginia Tech. Um, He joins a defensive line with Pat Bethel and Jonathan Garvin. That's going to be downright sick and create a lot of opportunity for that linebacking core that you mentioned. I agree that is among the best, if not the best, in the country because you know Alabama's linebacking core exists. Um, but Michael Pinckney, Shaq Quarterman, and I always forget the third guy's name. Oh, man, that is embarrassing. And it's great podcast audio. Uh, Romeo Finley, they're all four-year starters at linebacker. They they came in and started from day one uh, under Mark Richt. So that front seven is going to be good. I think the secondary is probably better than you're giving it credit for. Uh, Trajan Bandy is an all-ACC caliber corner, despite that, despite losing Michael Jackson um al blades was really good in limited reps that i saw from him last year uh i guess their x factor is going to be the safety play but their defense is going to be stacked man yeah
1: and it's against uh defensive coordinator manny diaz is stepping in as head coach who was at dc last year i think we both agree defense is going to be awesome they're talented on offense really the biggest question mark is the quarterback offensive line but even with the schedule, how even with that, how
0: the schedule works out, they got a really great shot to to win the division. If they don't win the division, is it fair to say that Virginia probably will? I think so. And I I think the the
1: Virginia Tech is another one that's considered like a top three. I really think it's between Virginia and Miami. And Virginia has the best non Clemson quarterback in the conference. That's Rice Perkins. Uh, and I think they have the best defensive back in the conference, including Clemson. Bryce Hall, I think he's the best cornerback in the country. Uh, Bronco Mendenhall, uh, the head coach there, he was the head coach at my alma mater, BYU, when I was in college. So very familiar with with the offense they run. I think it's a perfect uh, for Bryce Perkins. Uh, the defense, they fly around. They're fast. They're physical. Um, so their schedule doesn't match up because they have to go. Uh, to Miami which uh, then they play this doesn't affect the conference but they play Notre Dame as well so I think even if they have a worse record than Miami I actually think they're I I would pick Virginia to win the conference over Miami because of Perkins over Allen as much as or Jared Williams as much as we just talked about how great Miami is Uh, I think we both love Bryce Perkins though and you actually might even like him more than I do.
0: Um, I like him. I don't love him. Uh, with as much as they run him, I'm a little bit fearful that he might go down with an injury at some point, which would kind of set them back. I think Virginia is going to be the most consistent team, but with consistency and with the kind of offense they run, I think they're just going to run into a couple of close games that maybe don't break their way in the last five minutes. Um, uh, you know, let's just point to the Virginia Tech game last year. <laughs> Good gracious, yeah. Um that, that that was the worst collapse I've ever seen. But, you know, looking at it, um their defense returns a ton, and the defense was nasty last year. Uh gave up 20.1 points a game, 331 total yards per game. I'm a big uh Charles Snowden fan, and since I mentioned his name, he has batted down another Nathan Elliott pass. Uh but six seven, two twenty five and penetrates off the defensive line. He reminds me of Calais Campbell of uh Miami Lore. Yeah, I mean, Virginia is very good. I think it is fair. So so you just said that you think Virginia is going to win the Coastal? I think Virginia is going to win the Coastal. So they're going to complete the circle of suck for the ACC Coastal, seven champs in 7 years. Um I think I'm I'm going to give the nod to Miami and I'm a little bit nervous doing that with Manny Diaz as a first-time head coach, but Virginia's right there with him in my opinion. You know who's not right there with him though? Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. Um, This team is just one big – just inscribe the letters on their field, WTF question mark, and maybe even do a Spanish upside-down question mark on the front side of that. I have no idea what to expect of these Hokies, and I'm a little bit bummed out that their schedule shapes up so well for them early in the season.
1: Yeah, their home schedule, they don't play anybody at all. I mean, because – North Carolina's on the road is why they don't play anybody at home. But their home schedule is Old Dominion, Furman, Duke, Rhode Island, North Carolina, Osborne. They play North Carolina at home. So one fantastic game. And then then Wake and Pitt. So uh, one of the best home fan bases. Uh, really, you know, entertainment-wise, not a great home schedule. Um, I like their wide receivers. I like Trey Turner a lot. He's a sophomore. Loved him as a true freshman last year. And then uh, Hazleton, Damon Hazleton, I really like him as well. Uh, I don't like Ryan Finley as well. I think he makes some pretty boneheaded decisions uh, that cancel out all, all his good moments. He just, If I'm a quarterback, I don't want there to be like such a wide range of, of possible outcomes. Even if the ceiling's low, I'd love the floor to be higher. And Willis just gives you every possible outcome on any play, which is why I don't trust Virginia Tech a lot this year.
0: Yeah, I, I know we talked about it on our quarterbacks pod. I'm higher on Ryan Willis than you are. Um, you know, he's a guy who had 12 to 17 touchdown to interception ratio while he was at Kansas. He turned that to 24 and nine um, once he stepped in for Josh Jackson last year. Uh, Damon Hazleton, you're absolutely right, is a monster. And then Trey Turner, who you mentioned, he was the other guy in my notes. Uh, he went for over 20 yards a catch as a true freshman. Where they are hurt a little bit, uh, they are replacing three guys off the offensive line. Um, I'm really not sure what to make of their running backs either. Uh, Deshaun McLeese, I mean, this day and age, if you're averaging four and a half yards a carry, it's an indictment both of your running back talent and your offensive line talent. So with turnover on the offensive line, I don't know how that gets much better. I mean, Stephen Peoples was the leading rusher, and he was only at five yards a carry. Uh, so offensively, I mean, Virginia Tech will put up some points in some games, but I think you're probably right that the downside for Willis, if it emerges some, they will disappear as well.
1: Yeah, and they're are cross division games. Boston College and and Wake Forest. I think if they beat Miami or Syracuse, I wouldn't be surprised because Willis, when he's good, is, is pretty good. Um, they have talented enough receivers to put points on the board. As Bud Foster's last year, the defensive coordinator there, he's he's announced he's retiring. I think they're they'll be volatile enough to beat either Miami or Virginia. Uh, but I don't think they're in the running for for the division. I think they're going to have some
0: losses they shouldn't have either.
1: Uh, which is going to end up hurting them.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you can look at pretty much uh, any of these games. I mean, pit at home late, uh, wake at home. um, I mean, even UNC or Duke, and you're absolutely right. This is the most atrocious uh, home schedule I've ever seen. I would not have bought season tickets this year. Uh, But you mentioned Bud Foster and his retirement. Do you think that this is the culmination of some – internal discord between him and head coach, Justin Fuente? Because I yeah, will do. Yeah,
1: if I'm Justin Fuente, every head coach wants, to, wants it to be their program, wants to have their step on it. And, and Bud Foster is just, you know, it's he's, he's there. He's kind of the face of Virginia Tech as a defensive coordinator. Um, and I don't think he's getting pushed out, like, straight up. But I'm sure there's been some discord. And Bud Foster is probably like, you know, I've had a good career. Um, I don't really need to be be the, have fighting this much. I think Fuente wants to wants it to be his program one hundred percent. So I'm glad they did it this year or this way instead of at the end of the year, like, hey, I'm out. Um, I think it'll be more eased into it as far as his retirement. But but I'm sure Justin Puente has a, something to do with it. Just you know, new head coaching change, uh, different styles, things like that.
0: Yeah, and what makes it fun is that their recruiting is absolutely in the tank right now. So if you take away the Foster identity on defense, along with that uh, talent issue that's going to start to emerge here in the next year or two, they could fall off the map, and I am just here for it, man. Um, Defensively, though, Foster is going to have an opportunity to have a pretty solid bounce back in his last year. Uh, They bring back 10 starters after just getting decimated by attrition and injury last year. I really love everything about their secondary. Um, I mean, even going into the two deep, Khalil Laidler and uh, Devin Hunter are studs. Uh, Divine Diablo was a guy initially as a receiver, but he was awesome as a safety last year. Caleb Farley and Jeremy Webb at the corners. Bryce Watts uh, left the program for UNC, so another ACC corner to the good guys. But, I mean, their back seven is experienced and talented, Um, So I I think their defense is due for a pretty significant bounce back.
1: Yeah, I love uh, Reggie Floyd, the player I like. He can play all over the field, a most technically defensive back, but he's one of those players who can play linebacker uh, or line up as a linebacker. At least that gives him the versatility, which is fun to watch as fans. Defensive coordinators love players like that, where you you don't have to change your package just because the offense changed their formation or, or their personnel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then we yeah, have Bud Foster's great. They returned 10 starters. So last year they gave up over 30 points a game. I think that'll that'll be brought down as well. Uh, so the offense can can figure out some of the question mark they have, um, which I don't think they will. But uh, the defense will be good enough for them to have a pretty good year. I'd be shocked. I think both of us would if they didn't get the bowl eligibility. I think it's more uh, the ceiling is I'd say eight. I think they're going to be seven or eight wins. I'd say seven is my final answer.
0: Yeah, if I, if I'm sitting here counting them up, um, I think I can agree with you on seven. Maybe they drop either Boston College, Duke, or uh, UNC early, but there's a pretty good chance that they come out um, they come out of October at seven and one before they finish with Notre Dame, Wake, at Tech, uh, Pittsburgh, and at Virginia. I, I do think this is the year that Virginia finally gets Virginia Tech. I think it's only been about 15 years, so we got that to look forward to if well i mean if you're if you're a virginia fan let's, yeah um, which,
1: um i don't think there are many of them that exist but if they're out there yeah
0: more power to them, right yeah let's go to the defending champs which still feels weird to say as i look at their page here and they were seven and seven but they did win the acc coastal division last year the pit panthers um I still laugh at this mostly because Larry Fedora never lost to Pitt, which is still one of the most stunning things ever. Um, they, The last five years, lost by five, lost by seven, lost by one, lost by three, lost by three. Um, is this the year that Pitt beats UNC? I
1: don't think so. I think last year or two years ago was the year that Pitt beat UNC. Uh, and, and it didn't happen. And it didn't happen, so – I, I honestly don't think so. The game's gonna be in in Pittsburgh, which they're playing in the NFL stadium. It's not as huge of a home field advantage but North Carolina's away from home, so I guess if they lose there there's that going for him. I really don't like their quarterback Kenny Pickett. he's jittery from from what I watch I mean just if there's any sort of pressure he's jittery doesn't have any a lot of real pocket presence uh so I don't like him. I think if he improves that, then I think Pitt could be better. It's hard to say that they're going to be on a down year because they were seven and seven last year, but I do think they're going to have a down year from what they did last year, which again is seven and seven, but they won the coastal, which is what makes it one of the weirdest divisions. If not the weirdest division in college football, I feel like something like that happens every year.
0: Yeah. The the weirdest thing about Pitt is kind of what's weird about what's going on at Boston college where, you know, Steve Adazio was an offensive guy and their man ball team and their defense is their calling card. And, Virginia Tech, uh, the Justin Puente offense has not quite taken off yet. Um, Pitt, Pat Narduzzi, you know, he's a cover four, aggressive defense, and their defense has never really taken off. And the only identity they ever really established was the one year they had Matt Canada where they were just exceptional on offense. I think they were top five in S&P Plus, and that was with Nathan Peterman, the Peterman uh, at quarterback. So. You look at them now and they had those big mauling offensive linemen like Alex Officer and some of those other guys in there. They turn over a lot on the offensive line. They're not huge there anymore. Um they're not particularly explosive on offense, which you know they were for that one year. And then their defense, you know, when Narduzzi got there, their defensive line was excellent. Um it's just fine now. But this is a team that after their first two years, you know they've they've given up roughly 400 yards a game ever since. So they're not really doing what Narduzzi's there to do, and it's kind of fascinating to me. Yeah,
1: I like I like Rashad Weaver, the defensive end, and then Dane Jackson, uh, one of the cornerbacks as well. Uh, but yeah, I think Narduzzi. I don't. I don't know how to feel about him. I guess so. I'll, I'll just copy what you or echo what you just said. Uh, looking at the schedule, the or non-division non games, they got Boston College, and then then they play at Syracuse, so it didn't work out great for them. They play UCF, um, Ohio, and Penn State, so they could hypothetically go one and three in non-conference, and then they play Ohio, who Nathan O'Rourke is one of the, the top group of five quarterbacks in the country. If something weird happens there, they could go on 4 in non-conference way. So, now I'm looking at the schedule. I don't know if they'll make a bowl game. Just because somebody has to not make a bowl game in the conference.
0: Yeah, and hopefully it's not North Carolina. But, yeah, they, they open with Virginia on an ACC Network special. Uh, Virginia healthy and riding high. Um, that should be a win for Virginia. But, you know, the media picked Virginia to finish second. So, maybe they'll finish sixth. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're looking one and three in the face before cleaning up against Delaware, going to Duke and then off a of bye, Syracuse, Miami, uh, kind of recover against Georgia Tech, then bye, and the UNC game, which is tougher for Pitt than it is for anybody else, and then closing up shop with uh, Virginia Tech and Boston College. Um, you know, basically w- when I kind of mentioned that they don't really have an identity, that is where I was going. I think this is going to be like a four and eight, five and seven type Pitt team. I told, I told you in pre-show that we were going to go to the state of North Carolina, but I, I'd say let's uh, finish with the good guys. Um, Georgia Tech is completely starting it over with Jeff Collins in from Temple coming out of the flex bone uh, after Paul Johnson spent his 12 years there. This is going to be a downright abysmal Georgia Tech team. I think if anything, I mean, let's put it this way. I think it's more likely that they are 2018 Louisville than that they make a bowl. Oh, I think absolutely. And yeah, Jeff Collins was brought in. They haven't recruited well
1: because Paul Johnson was recruiting to the triple option, which worked for Paul Johnson, but none of these players are recruited to run a, a tradition. It's weird that the spread offense is the traditional offense now, but you know, a traditional college offense. Um, quarterback's a huge question, Mark, cause again, none of the quarterbacks, unless it's gonna be a true freshman, were recruited to run a, a spread option. I think Collins was brought in more than anything because Georgia Tech is in Atlanta and Atlanta is one of the top places in the country for high school football talent. And Georgia Tech has not recruited like that. They have never been the best recruiter in their state. Uh, They got to go against Georgia, but the entire SEC comes in there. The ACC is in there. Atlanta has become a national recruiting place as well. So I think Jeff Collins more than anything was brought in to get the recruiting back up, get the image back up and get the branding Changed from the engineering triple option program to a modern cool i guess, for lack of a better term college football program
0: and and he's doing a great job.
1: to win's a one
0: and he's doing a great job of that man i mean uh the waffle House U thing has been a lot of fun uh their're recruiting's in the top twenty five right now, and they have playing time to sell all day long <laughs> um my favorite thing about it is, you know, even with just the kind of regular roster turnover and coaching turnover, they've got to convert an offensive line from a triple option cut blocking scheme to something that resembles a modern offense. That is not going to happen overnight. My friend, uh, th- This is going to be a bad football team and I'm, I'm here for it.
1: Yeah. And I think it's interesting. One of their games is that temple, which is where uh, Jeff Collins was, was coaching last year. So um. Point of entry there on the Carolina or the Georgia Tech schedule,
0: yeah. Even more interesting is that they're probably going to lose that game, yeah. Temple's a good program, uh,
1: yeah. Good group of five program,
0: yeah. Uh, let's 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 talk about Duke. Um, if form holds, the fact that Duke plays Alabama week one is a season ender, uh, just right there. Alabama over the past. Let's see. Let, let me let me get to Alabama here for a second because th- th- this is just fun for me. Alabama over the past few years, they played Louisville first game of the season last year. We know how that went. Two years ago, they played Florida State when Florida State came in ranked number three in the preseason, beat them twenty four seven, broke uh, DeAndre Francois' uh, leg and career. Uh, the year before that, they beat USC fifty two to six. The year before that. They beat Wisconsin in a year where Wisconsin did not make the Big Ten championship game out of the West. <laughs> um, <laughs> excuse me. If if form holds, this Duke team is going to be downright awful. Yeah, I think my biggest – I don't know if you want to call it a
1: question mark. I wouldn't say I'm excited to watch it, but uh, it's how quarterback Quentin Harris plays. The the backup last year to Daniel Jones, he played more of the backup than he had an actual role – a very limited role but an actual role in the offense last year uh he's not one of the most talented quarterbacks at duke or that duke has had under coach cutliff uh, i think there are some limitations in this game but he has a huge arm uh a very athletic uh so can can do some some fun things on offense and i think with a full year as a starter under david Cutcliffe, the quote-unquote quarterback whisper. Uh, I'm excited to see any any progression that, that Harris has. My big thing watching him is he'd go one read, maybe a second one, then tuck it and run right away. Uh, not as much pocket presence. I'd like to see him keep his eyes downfield more. Um, so that's my long way of saying I'm excited to see Quentin Harris, uh, even just out of curiosity more than anything else.
0: Yeah, and they lose a lot of receivers as well. Um, that's not going to bode too well for him, especially if he is just making – quick reads and then tucking and running. So I mean, you spy them and you kind of take away what Duke has done so well. I mean, maybe this is just me projecting UNC's failings on it a little bit, but just keeping drives alive and being pretty efficient and awesome on third down. Um, they they don't really have the talent on the perimeter to really scare you the way they have in years past uh, defensively. They lose Joe Giles-Harris and Ben Humphreys, which is a great relief to this UNC fam. But their defensive line is all back. Uh, Drew Jordan uh, and Victor, I'm going to butcher this because I do, uh, Demukeje, um, two really talented guys at the defensive end position. Where, where are you on Duke's defense? Because, you know, again, just like I said about Pitt, their calling card should be their offense, but the calling card for Duke in recent years has been the defense.
1: Yeah, and I like I like their secondary. I like Mark Gilbert, cornerback, and then Dylan Singleton as well, uh, Two senior, the two seniors uh, projected to start in the secondary. Yeah. I think it will be a good, not great defense. Um, yeah, and the, the players you mentioned on the defensive line at there in town as well. But last year was the year for the defense. I loved Joe Jobs-Harris. I thought he was one of the best players in the conference uh loved i mean loved watching him wasn't exactly rooting for him as you can imagine but i yeah. uh, thought he was super talented last year was i thought the years for duke's defense so this year it's going to be whatever combination of reload or rebuild you want to want to call i think the secondary experienced. Uh, they have some talent on the defensive line but there's going to be some growing pains as well
0: i'm going to go back to the alabama thing for a second because i have a theory Duke's going to lose to Alabama, and then they're going to come home and get upset by North Carolina A and T.
1: They're a good FCS program. North yeah.
0: Carolina A and T. Yeah, I mean they uh, they play in the Celebration Bowl most years at this point. Um, that, that that's going to be my hot take for this podcast. I think.
1: All right. Well, that's the same game as the the North Carolina Miami game. So that could be a great day for for Carolina fans if that happens.
0: You know what? I might I might pull a double header.
1: What's the odds you think you could get on that parlay, uh North Carolina AT t North Carolina to win?
0: I'd say you probably put down if you put down a hundred bucks, you could probably walk away with about three twenty-five or so, right? That'd be I think you have to get great odds on that. You have both yeah, both of those happening. Yeah. yeah. Uh the the rest of their schedule, they go to middle Tennessee the next week, uh, have their buy then they get into ACC play at Virginia Tech, Pitt, Georgia Tech, at Virginia, at UNC before their next bye. And then they get Notre Dame coming out of that. Um, really like, as a UNC fan, catching them before that bye uh, and after playing at Virginia and Bronco Mendenhall's nut-punching uh, team. you know they, They'll be licking some wounds there. So, yeah, th- this is not shaping up too, too kindly for Duke. Um, I'm going to say that they are – team in the ACC Coastal that does not play in a bowl game this year yeah
1: yeah because in the yeah non-conference they got Alabama and then Notre Dame so that's two presumed losses right there so they have to get four in-conference wins uh and you said it shapes up perfectly for Carolina as far as like the way Duke's schedule works out before that game two back-to-back road games uh, against the physical Virginia team so I'm just copying everything you're saying at this point but um <laughs> Yeah, I think 6 would be a win honestly. Lose first round quarterback even though he shouldn't have been a first round quarterback. He do he wasn't the first round technically. Uh rebuilding on defense as well or reloading. So, 6 would be a win. I without any major injuries to a lot of programs, I don't see it happening. Um uh, just because they're not conference because of Alabama and Notre Dame.
0: Yeah, and then Syracuse is across division as well is uh, not fun. I mean, I I I don't I don't have them penciled in to win any of their last six games. Yeah, and Wake's actually a conference game for them. Yeah, it's weird, right? Well, I didn't know Wake was in the ACC, honestly, at this point. I I got into a little Twitter tiff with a Wake fan today. Um, So I'm more than happy to just kind of talk about them. Jacob, that leaves us with our North Carolina Tar Heels. Um we're we're not going to dive too deep. We're going to kind of do what we've been doing here because we've got plenty of podcasts either already on the air or on the way talking about the heels in a little more depth. Um I know you like to start with the quarterback. How do you feel about uh the announcement that Sam Howell was is the starter? Yeah, I
1: love quarterbacks. Not surprised.
0: Um I did think it was going to be Ruder, but I thought it was
1: between Ruder and Howell. Uh, but like we said, longer the quarterback competition goes on, the more and more it, it favors the the young guy. Uh, technically, how's the younger out of the the three freshmen? There, he's a true freshman. Um, I wrote an article, I think in January, or February, when he signed, about how he can. I like him he, a comp bit of mix between Baker Mayfield and Matt Corral, uh, who is the Ole Miss quarterback who played with Phil So I think he's a great fit for the offense. Great arm strength. What I'm interested to see out of him playing for Carolina is uh, in high school, he was. Uh, Had over a thousand guards, if I'm not mistaken, as a rusher, senior year of high school. He's not going to be able to do that against ACC competition. So, how he adjusts to that, I think from what we've seen in spree game and limited practice, um, he's been able to, you know, adjust to that. So, obviously, going to be growing pains. I'm not saying it's going to be fantastic, but I think you're going to see spurts where you'll see how talented he really is. And at some point, he was going to play. So, I think it just makes sense for just to start the season off with how.
0: Yeah, um, if you look what, what, at what's surrounding him, uh, you do have Daz Newsom, who's going to be the presumptive number one. Um, beyond that, you have a whole lot of dudes that if it was not UNC people uh, talking about him, we wouldn't really have any opinions on him. My biggest thing is with Howell, you know, he has kind of shown to be mistake prone, at least from what we're hearing from camp. Uh, with inexperienced receivers and kind of at this point, an inexperienced offensive line. I think there's going to be some serious uh, early growing pains. I, I I I hope he hits his stride, maybe by the Georgia Tech game if he is still the starter at that point. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be very inconsistent. I think is how I will put it diplomatically.
1: Yeah, we were talking about the floor and the ceiling with Ryan Willis. Um, I think Sam Howell's another huge variation. Just yeah, like you said, surrounding. Uh, receivers as good as Daz Newsom is. There's going to be some inexperience there. And the schedule is brutal right off the bat. The first five games, I don't think they'll lose all five. I think they'll get at least a couple. But there's a world where they do go 0-5 to start the year.
0: If they go 2-3 and three to start the year, and for those uh, who have been living under a rock, South Carolina, Miami, at Wake in a non-conference game, uh, App State in a what will be a very heated non-conference game, and then Clemson. If UNC goes two and three in those first five, I am ecstatic.
1: Yeah, I think two and three would be good, honestly. Yeah. Those are all – outstate State, very, very good program. Some people have that penciled in as a win. Um, I think Carolina can definitely win that game, but it's not a for sure
0: win at all. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, you know, all of the cliches, but I – You know, luckily for the Heels, uh, they are breaking in a new coach as well, but they have a lot of talent coming back. Um, Speaking of talent coming back, the three running backs, Antonio Williams, Michael Carter, and Javante Williams, who is your favorite of the three talented UNC backs?
1: Ooh, I have to go uh, Antonio Williams. But Javante Williams was, I would say, the biggest surprise of last year, uh, true freshman last year. But Antonio Williams, I think he's physical. I think he's going to end up leading the team in touchdowns because I view him as, as the goal line, quote-unquote, if we're talking fancy football terms kind of guy. Uh, love watching him play. Uh, but all three of them are talented. That, I think, is unquestionably the most talented group that North Carolina
0: has. Yep. Uh, defensively, you know, basically, Jake and Jake Lawrence and I kind of discussed this on the Roster Breakdown podcast. If Aaron Crawford and Jason Strobridge stay healthy – I feel decently that they will improve. If one or both of those guys goes down, it could be a disaster.
1: Yeah, those are two
0: studs um, on the defensive
1: line. Um, but, yeah, not as much, Seth, as you'd like behind them. Um, defensive backs, I actually just wrote an article about that, so it's fresh in my head as far as the secondary. Um, we need to figure out what's going on with Cameron Kelly, uh, if he's going to be eligible or not. But I love Patrice Renee, love Trey Morrison. Bond about Bryce Richardson. Uh, a true freshman last year, hurt his uh, Achilles, I think it was in, in summer workouts. But I think the secondary is going to be good, even though there's a lot of inexperience there, other than, than Renee and Miles Dorn. Uh, and Morrison played a bit last year as well.
0: Yeah, uh, the, the secondary should be all right. Um, again, just not much depth. Uh, the linebackers are going to be, well, I'll say that the inside linebackers are going to be problematic. Um, I'm, I'm high on Taman Fox, who's more of a hybrid. But Jeremiah Gamel, a guy that the casual UNC fan has definitely never heard of, uh, Dominique Ross, who I'm hoping kind of has a and Collins put it together senior campaign. Um, basically, the UNC defense, you know, kind of like the offense is a lot of hey, these guys have some talent, but you are asking a lot of them for everything to go right and push UNC to its ceiling, which I would say is maybe eight wins. Um, I've got them pegged for more like five. Yeah, well, let's say two and three non-con- in those first
1: fines, the first five games. So, Georgia Tech, I think that's a third. So, three and three is a, a hopeful um, outcome out of those three. And then Virginia Tech, Duke, Virginia Pitt. Pitt's a probable five, and then you got to be do I think they could get six. Um, but I think if they start one and four in those first five games, well, that's is just math. It's clearly an uphill battle. I think to get to six and back to bowl eligibility, which should be the goal for this team, you gotta go to two two and three at least. And not at least you gotta go two and three in those first five. And that makes your life so much easier that back half of the schedule.
0: Yeah, if if the Heels of Bank two wins, uh, going into the Clemson game, I will come right back and say, hey, this is going to be a seven or eight win team, because if you beat Wake and App, show some proof of concept, and then just the schedule lightens up, you know, I don't see any of those games in the back half of the schedule as insurmountable. Even trips to NC State, Pitt, or Virginia Tech, home game against Virginia, uh, those are all very winnable games because, frankly, you played four of the five best teams on your schedule in the first five weeks of the season.
1: Yeah, as high as I am on Virginia, um, I think last year they played Virginia extremely close. I don't think it's a lot different this year. And really, any game in in this Coastal Division, I think any team could win any game, and it's not surprising at all. So that back half of the schedule is so much easier. Virginia Tech, I'm excited about. It. I think that's one Carolina can win. Duke, I think Carolina can obviously win. NC State, I I think they're going to be maybe the most different team from from week one to week 12 or 13 or whatever. So I'm excited for that game, and I think Carolina going to win it, but I don't know what to think of that game just because I think they're going to have, especially quarterback more than anything, but but a lot of roster turnover as the season's going on. But six should be the goal. It's a realistic goal, um, and I'm ecstatic if they get to six. Uh, I think they'd have a very good season if they got six.
0: 100%, man. Well, uh, what do you have coming to the website as we wind down? We have football on our TVs probably about the time people are listening to this. Yeah,
1: I I honestly was trying to think of that. I think I'm going to do. Last year I did a, a uniform ranking once the season started, ranked the ACC uniforms. Uh so I've of doing that and then maybe a breakdown of the Miami uh roster or something like that. Uh so a couple things in the works, but but nothing official yet that I've gotten approved by our editors.
0: I respect it. Uh as for me, I am just slogging through getting all these podcasts because uh Procrastination has kind of reared its ugly head on me. Uh, you listened to the ACC Atlantic preview yesterday. This is the Coastal preview. Um, should have at least one more with a special guest uh, by the end of the week, and then we're going to get some of the crew together next week and talk about what UNC's football season is going to look like as a whole. So, Jacob, I appreciate you uh, going on this journey with me. It has been a lot of fun. Uh, I know you're not going anywhere, but but it feels like the end of an era. Um. To you, good sir, thank you for coming on and doing this. Uh, to all of you listening, go ahead, hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review. I will read it on the air. It can be embarrassing. It can be about my personal life. I don't care. I want that five-star review.
1: Do that. I, want, I was going to say, I want one of your ex-girlfriends
0: to write a five-star review. If we're talking about embarrassing, I'd love to hear what they have to say. Oh, man, um, dude, all, all the nice things I just said about you, just forget. About it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Until next time, don't take cues from Jacob, take cues from me. Keep it locked and go Heels.